Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. Let's start with this. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What does it say? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Are there any wholehearted people following Jesus today in the room? It really is a privilege to open the Word of God again today and just approach God. The privilege of working with Him in partnership is pretty stunning. Let's pray one more time as we open the Word together. Jesus, we thank You that You are here. Lord, help us to see our future in Your Word. And help us, O oh God, on this Vision Sunday to see how much You're with us and how much You're for us right now. Amen. You know, we started this year with the Seek First prayer series. Do you remember that? That Seek First concept and the evenings that we gathered together in to pray on this campus and to seek God. And that emphasis of seeking God wholeheartedly is a devotion that's not just for a week or a month, but it's a lifestyle of devotion. And I really believe that if you get discouraged in your Christian walk, your discouragement will stop the seeking of who God is. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6. He said that seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added. And we have to get that sequence right. First we seek Jesus. We seek him with our whole heart. And then things follow. When we're talking about our Vision Sunday, we're not seeking things. Because the truth is God has everything that we already need. In fact, God doesn't even need our giving. He allows us to partner with Him so that our trust would be in God and not in riches, not in our jobs, not in our bosses or our colleges or universities, but in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this discipline of devotion is not just something we're talking about this morning. It's an Old Testament concept that was introduced right in the Garden of Eden, and we see that being fulfilled this year in 2019, through the video that you just seen, This Is Life. And I want to thank you as we start that this is the house, Life Church, on all of its campuses, where Charlotte and I are building our marriage. A marriage that's not perfect. <laughs> where we're building our, our parenting that's not perfect. And so we need you, church. We need each other. Because the fact is, although we're not perfect, we have a perfect God who loves us completely. And that's why we seek Him. We're not seeking perfection. No, we're not. God's love is drawing us onward and upward because of the hope of Jesus that's in our hearts. And it's with that understanding, I wanted to look at the life and legacy of Elisha today. Elijah, who represents this incredible Old Testament prophet, who was the prophet of the double portion. He inherited what the last generation had, and then he walked in it, and he is always, he's, he's referred to as a type of Christ because of the promise that was in his heart for future generations to come. And so I'm going to read 
a few scriptures found in 2 Kings. If you want to go ahead and turn to it now, 2 Kings 13. I'm going to start reading in verse 14 in the New International Version and finish at verse 20. It's going to come up behind me on screen so you can follow along as well. Now, Elisha, who had been suffering. Everybody say that word, suffering. Sometimes the Christian life is not always easy, as we've already heard about today. He was suffering from the illness from which he died. Joash, king of Israel, went to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel... And Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, note this phrase, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elijah told him, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And with those words, Elijah died and was buried. Now, this may seem like a strange scripture to talk about on a vision Sunday, but the principles here are so important for our life, and I'm going to give you three today, and the first one is this. Remember how far you have come. Can you remember how far you've come? Elijah came a long way. He had served him, and here in his last moments... In comes Joash, the king of Israel, and what does he do? He comes and he says, the chariots and horsemen of Israel, oh my father. Now that's a direct reference to the very words that Elisha said over his spiritual father, Elijah, as Elijah was being taken up to heaven. Now the significance of that is at the end of his life, Joash is trying to help this old prophet see how far he's come. Since the days where we started. You see, Elijah didn't start in fame. He started in obscurity. He was literally plowing a field. He had oxen and he was plowing in the sweat of his day. Behind closed doors and probably off where no one really knew where he was. And yet God noticed Elisha's heart and saw his potential and sent the old prophet. And then Elijah had the opportunity to walk with Elijah and served him wholeheartedly devotedly, and then at the end of Elijah's life, Elijah was the only one to see him taken up into heaven by this chariot. I mean, it's an amazing story if you want to go back and read it in 1 Kings. And as he was being taken away, he wept because his spiritual father had gone. And now at the end of his life, remembering how far he's come is an essential principle that we should all think about today. Maybe we should take some time over lunch or dinner or this week to remember how far Jesus has brought us. You might be here today and been saved a week, a month, or 25 or 30 years. And if you forget what your life was like before you met Jesus, you'll be robbed of the sense of the grace of God. None of us deserve to be here this morning. We don't deserve to be 
in a place where God would use us because of our imperfections and our failures and all of the things that we know too well about our own life. And yet Jesus died for us when we were at our worst so that we could become better than we currently are. And I don't just don't mean a significant little, you know, like a twice as good or even a, 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 a radical upgrade. No, I mean a completely brand new, new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We don't deserve the grace of God, but we have it by grace because of who Jesus is. Jesus didn't die for you because you were perfect. He died for you because he loved you. He died for you because he saw something in you that no one else saw. He saw that despite the times when people said you'll never amount to anything, God's judgment over you is love and grace and full of power and potential. And here's Elisha remembering all of the mistakes, all of the conversations he'd had over the course of his life. And yet God sent somebody to simply say, remember how far you've come. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't forget how far you've come. Don't forget. Do you remember the days, Life Church Leads, when we were in that terrible, beat-up old comedy club in Leeds? Do you remember the day? I remember the day where I came in to see the venue, and I stood in one place, and my feet stuck to the floor. And it wasn't because of the power of God. It was because of the beer and the vomit on the Saturday night before. And you moved and you could hear the sound as you walked across. And in those days, we had a toilet on the stage. And I remember one day, somebody went to the loo in the worship. And in the middle of Dave preaching, the door opened up. In the middle of the preaching, he came back out again. That was a 20-minute trip to the loo. It was a terrible environment. And then from those days, renting all the different venues, every hotel in the city of Leeds has been blessed by you. And then every Christmas and Easter, struggling to figure out where our venue could be, and then so grateful for the various hotels, many of which we partnered with. But oh, it's good to have a permanent home in Leeds. Oh, it's so good to have a place where we can worship. Remembering how far you've come is so important. Because the truth is, we're not yet where we want to be. And if you're not yet where you want to be, then you have to deal with the frustration. You have to deal with the disappointment of, I'm not yet where I want to be. And I'm just talking about this particular campus. But in many of our lives, you look and we're not quite there yet. And what, can, what, what that can do is it will rob you of the adventure and the joy of serving Jesus in the here and now. It will rob you in the sense of appreciation as you sit down over lunch to think about how much you've been forgiven from. I mean, I pray to God today we would all have a, as we sleep tonight, that we would have a dream, an understanding as we awaken tomorrow of, of, of how far we've come. I want to speak to everybody here today and say, how, how dare we look at our lives and devalue our life? How dare we look at ourselves and say, we don't measure up. Measure up to what? We don't measure up to the Instagram postcard that Dave mentioned earlier. We don't measure up to somebody else who's got a bigger bank account. We don't measure up to somebody who's had a better start to life. How dare us devalue the humanity that Jesus died for? That we don't see ourselves the way Jesus would see ourselves. And that's my prayer, that, that every time we find a sense of frustration, that we understand that we're on a journey. 
And this old prophet was on a journey. He was on a journey through life. And we need to be reminded and reminded ourselves and we keep reminding ourselves of how far we've come and remind each other. Our schools and colleges and universities right now are filled with people who are measuring themselves with exam results. Now, I'm all for study and I'm all for applying ourselves and doing well, but your life is so much greater than the mark you get on an exam paper. You might face disappointment. Don't face disappointment and think that God has not given you a sound mind, a mind of intelligence. It might be that you just need to learn new study techniques. It might be just you need to study full stop. Perhaps you're in a place where you're not satisfied with your current job and you just think, I want to go on a permanent vacation. I want to go and build life someplace on a beach anywhere else but Leeds. Well, you know, when you get there, the same problems you're facing today are going to be there because the problem is not your location. Just want to be real. The problem is it is a cardiographic issue that we have to deal with today. When we realize, when we know this first stage is so important in our life. And here's Elijah dealing with that first stage, which brings me to my second stage, which is this. After we remember how far we've come, we have to realize that God is with us right now. I find it fascinating in 2 Kings 13, verse 12, when Elisha, he tells the king, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow, put it in your hands, and at that moment, Elijah did a strange thing. He put his hand on the hand of the king. Do you know that God's hand is on your life? Because, because you can be here on a Sunday, you can be reading your Bible on the Monday, you can be listening to the greatest new worship song on a Tuesday and not be aware of God's hand on your life. There's an awareness, a perception, an understanding that, that is up to us, to you and I, to develop of the fact that God's hand is on our life. His hand can literally come on us, and although you can't feel His physical presence, we know, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is real and that God, our Heavenly Father, He is with us and He is for us. And then there are just times in life when you go through a struggle, you need the hand of another believer on your hand. You need a conversation with somebody who loves Jesus to talk to you, to help you understand and to realize the investment that God has put in you. That's why we're so... So, so value what it means to belong to God's house. That's why we talk about youth ministries and life groups and doing life together because if we want to go far, we're going to have to do life together. If we want to go fast, go alone. But the first problem you hit is the problem that can take you down. But if we want to go far and we do life, church, then we're going to have to build leaders for the next generation. We're going to have to make sure that we strengthen our relationships at every level. We're going to have to strengthen our relationship vertically with God, but also horizontally with each other. That's why the cross goes both ways. That Jesus built relationships with people, and you can read the Gospels. They were the most taxing times of Jesus' life. And if Jesus had a Judas, then you might face betrayal too. If Jesus faced disappointment, then we'll probably face it too. But we don't have to camp up in disappointment. Don't let disappointment let you realize or let you think you're separated from the love of God because nothing can separate you from the love of God except yourself. There are times when we can doubt God, we can question his, 
humanity for us. We can question that, but Jesus proved it when he came and died on a cross. And I think that when Elijah, he knew he was going to depart, he wanted to leave a lasting remnant memory that even though he was about to leave, that God's presence would continue with this king. And then I love what he did next. He told the king, he said, go shoot an arrow. And he said, go shoot an arrow out of the east window. Now, if I ask you right now, which way is east? Go ahead and point to it right now. I want to see how good our geographical location finding skills are. Go on, just raise your hand up high and point what you think is east. Joy is pointing straight up. Sorry, Joy. That's like, that's a good safe boat. I like that. I really like that. I reckon Johnny Crabtree knows which way is east. Which way is east, Johnny? He has no idea. He's pointing that way. Dave's pointing this way. The truth is, if there's one smart person, you've already pulled your iPhone app out and you're looking at your compass right now. Here's the reason why Elijah told him this way is east. He said this way is east because east was the direction where the enemies were encamped that were about to defeat Joash. And so when Elijah said, look east, he was actually ready, readying the king to shoot an arrow of victory over his enemies. And God wants to do the same thing right now for you. When we give into this vision offering, which we'll do at the end of this meeting, when you give into the vision offering, you might only be able to give five pounds. Then you give five pounds and you give that to the hand of God and you trust that you will defeat the enemy of poverty over your life. Maybe you're facing bankruptcy right now. Well, when you shoot an arrow, it's not the amount that counts, it's the intention that counts. And if everybody can do something, then what happens is you then have seed in the ground. And being personally connected with your future is all about understanding your investment. And here's this king being required to open the window. You see, the king didn't open windows. He had people to, like, remove the blinds for him. He had people, servants and attendants to open windows. He didn't open windows. He had staff for that. He was a little hot. They didn't have air conditioning. People would literally come and fan him and open a window and make sure that he had an olive tree to go out and camp under so that he'd be cool in the heat of the day. But there's something about you and I staying connected at the grassroots level in a local church context, being pragmatic and making sure that we move forward that helps us stay engaged with who God is. That means we have to get our hands dirty sometimes. We can't be in a place where we're like, frightened to go on and just relate to, to where the real issues and the problems are. That's how we stay connected. And when that king opened his window and got ready to shoot, and then he shot the arrow, an instruction came. And the instruction was, beat the ground. Now that king turned and he beat the ground three times. Boom, boom, boom. And then he stopped. And it was at that moment Perhaps he forgot that God was with him. Perhaps he got tired. Perhaps he was still discouraged from fighting the Arameans. But for whatever reason, he stopped. And then Elijah said, now you will not defeat completely the enemy. You see, as you give and you live a life of sacrifice and you keep serving God, it may not be that you have a breakthrough by midnight tonight. What do you do? Then you strike the ground again tomorrow. Next Sunday, you may not have your breakthrough. So you strike the ground again next week. And then you strike it again the week after that, the month after that. And you keep striking the ground with your worship. 
You keep striking the ground with your devotion. You keep striking the ground with your testimony. You keep just striking that ground with your love. And you just keep at it. Do you know what I see when I think of how faithful God is? He strikes the ground for every generation, for a thousand generations to come. And he's doing it right now over your life. He's striking the ground and saying, keep trusting me. He's striking the ground and say, I'm the God of unfailing love. He's striking the ground and say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Keep going, son. Don't stop. He's striking the ground again and saying, go past that divorce. At the end of that divorce will be hope for a better tomorrow. Keep striking that ground for your teenager who's far from God. Keep striking the ground. Live church leads, we're going to keep striking the ground. And what we promised you as a church was that we keep striking the ground. Remember how far we've come. On our Belfast campus, we promised that we would build new leadership. And now part of our church family in Northern Ireland that faces hatred between the Catholics and the Protestants has a great young couple, Liam and Natalie Gordon, leading that work there, doing a terrific job serving Jesus, building the house of God in a place with so much hatred, so much division. On our Warsaw campus, we keep striking the ground. We promised that we would find a hub space like we started in Leeds, if you remember the hub space there, where we could do alpha courses and youth ministry rehearsals and worship team practices, all the other things that we wanted to do to build leaders that we could do in a hub space. Now in Warsaw, Poland, with Maciek and Igor doing a great job there, our campus pastors, we have a beautiful hub space that's growing because of what's going on there. And then in our Bradford campus... We wanted to do some work, first of all, in our leadership structure. So we have new campus pastors there, Jock and Shirley James, who Jock's preaching today on the Bradford campus, just doing a great job on that campus. And then investing things like investing in a new coffee shop. How cool is our coffee shop in Leeds? I mean, you walk in, we're trying to build that kind of similar vibe on our Bradford campus. And then to have this, we promised we would open this campus, and we have... And now we want to give to things like the next generation emerging, take care of some needs in our kids' church, get some better lighting in this room. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And keep developing all the different things we do in our worship. We're do, I mean, we're committed. We're committed to continue the process of building church together. So we have to keep striking. We have to keep sowing. Because if we stop sowing, we stop reaping. You know, I'm currently trying to do something I've never done before. I'm trying to grow grass in my garden. I'm trying to grow grass in my garden because I was too cheap to buy that turf and put it over. I thought, how hard could it be? Plant some seed and watch it grow. And then today I found myself watching Alan Titchmarsh learning how to grow grass. Why? Because, because it is something about the growth process that is a process. The seed will grow. It won't happen overnight. And that's why we have to grow with an awareness and a realization and a perception and an understanding that God is with us, which leads me to our last point. Open the window, he was told. Open the window. Raise that window. And that's my final point. Raise our expectations. Raising your expectations is what each of us have to do. Once we remember how far we've come, once we realize that God is with us, we could stop there. We could grow comfortable here. We could grow comfortable. We could stop. We could say, enough. We need to just rest for another couple of years. It was hard work getting this building open. It's hard work serving God. 
But if we do that, there isn't a sense of hope, of raising an expectation for a generation, for many that are not yet even here. If you don't learn the power of raising your expectation, it's going to be difficult to wake up tomorrow morning with a spring in your step. You see, it's so easy to lose our sense of expectation through life. And, and it's in this same way of raising our expectations that the Bible talks about. It says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But longing fulfilled is a tree of life. What longing, what unanswered prayer, what dreams and ambitions do you yet have in your life? You have to understand that those expectations have to be based in this fact. And I love this psalm, one of my favorite psalms, where it says, Lift up your eyes to the hills. Where does your help come from? Are we lifting up our eyes and saying, Jesus, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And if you read about Brexit and Theresa May and all the other things that are going on right now, and that's not a political statement, but it's a time when there's so much confusion. And I'm just here to say our hope is not in a political party. You might be going through an exam right now, and I just want to remind you that your hope is not in your university course. You might be right now in a place where you're not sure where your hope is coming from. And I'm here to let you know today that as we give and as we trust God, we are basing our expectation on the bedrock anchor fact that Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. That Jesus Christ is the hope, the cornerstone, the capstone. It's all about Jesus. As we build, we're not building in our imagination. We're building in an expectation that our God is going to do greater things through our lives than we can ever dare ask, hope, or imagine. Because that's the God we serve. God has called us to step up in faith and trust Him with everything that's in us. And I don't know about you, but I did not move to England to quit now. I did not move here and risk everything I ever had in my life to give up. No, I'm not. I am trusting God with a greater expectation. Why? Because there is so much disillusionment in our society today. And it's time for a generation of believers to stand up and say, whatever the cost, I will serve Jesus Christ. And that generational ask will bring an expectation in your heart. And I know this from being a dad. My teenagers are relying on my faith. They're relying on me to still have an expectation. My wife is reminding me, but there are also others that I don't know. Some people are looking to you right now, and if you lose your expectation, if you lose your hope, if you lose the reason why you're doing this, the reason why you wake up and come on a Sunday, discouragement will be so deep in your soul that you will be defeated. So I'm here to say, today, we strike the ground again. Today, if all we can do is strike the ground just one more time, then we just strike it just one more time. And if we can strike the ground together, Single parent, we strike the ground again. If we can strike the ground for someone right now facing cancer, we strike the ground again. Someone who is ill and sick and struggling, we strike the ground again because the truth is it's not our suffering that determines our expectation. It's not our suffering that determines our praise. It's not our suffering that stops us from serving God. No, it's not. Our realization, the fact, our revelation that Jesus died that he's been buried and he's resurrected and ascended, that's why we give. We give because of who Jesus is. And I believe as we do this together as a church family, God is going to help us do things that we never dreamed, asked, or imagined. 
And I'm asking and saying all this because maybe last week you gave in the offering. Well, guess what? You shot an arrow in the sky. And that arrow is now flying. That arrow is soaring, but it's not just your arrow. When I close my eyes, I see the whole arrow full with skies. That the skies are full, full. Arrows that cost so many people so much. Arrows shot by elderly people and by young people and by single-parent families and by multimillionaires. Arrows that are filling our sky. Why? Because we need the hope of Jesus for our nation. We need the hope of Jesus for Yorkshire. Whatever you're doing today, we're going to ask God as you think about your giving that you simply give what the Lord would put on your heart. And today in this offering, how we're going to do this as we bring this to a close, the worship team is going to come up behind me and they're going to lead you in a chorus and on your seats you're going to find an envelope. And on the envelope, if you've not yet given to our This Is Life heap offering, then you can go ahead and do that now. And if you're giving your normal tithe or offering, you can just write in tithe. You can just write it. There's a section there called other. But I want you to just take a moment. And whatever that amount is that God puts on your heart, or maybe you gave last week, thank you so much for your giving. We're just doing this today because some people were away last week, and we want everybody to have an opportunity to sow into this. And then next week, Dave's going to let you know the offering total for what this is on our conference Sunday. And we're so excited about that. But we're just going to ask right now, you just take a minute to reflect. And you can fill that out. And apologies that the lighting is not so good in here. That's why we need to get more lights. Amen, somebody. Go ahead and just take a moment to fill that out. And just think about that and contemplate over that. And then we'll stand together, pray over our offering today. And then the host team will just come and pass the offering containers. And we can sow into that offering together. Come on, let's just pray right now. God, we thank you for what you're about to do in people's lives. Help us, help us devotionally focus right now, God, on what you would ask us to give. Amen. 